All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball. The only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, Andy. You know, a, a happiest of feast week to you and, and all who celebrate as we sit down on this Monday evening. It's going to be an excellent week of basketball. I'm very excited about it. We've got two results to talk about today. One, obviously, I'm looking forward to more than the other, but a huge week for the Beavers. And, and as we give thanks and, and take time to show gratitude on this, the week of Thanksgiving, it always starts with Oregon State men's basketball. And that's why we're here. And and, and, let, and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, the thing that we're truly most thankful for in our lives. Um, okay. 365 days a year. That's right. All right. Well, before we do have two games to go over, we'll preview the preseason NIT. But before we do that, as always, the Oregon State fight song. That, that was your first time playing, and you don't know oh, when to cut it off. Huh? My hands were shaking. I knew it wasn't going to be perfect, but it was good enough. No, I didn't cut it off at the right point, but let it play a few extra seconds. We all need it right now. We all need it right now, yeah. We're still uh, working our way through our technical difficulties, but we appreciate the audience hanging with us, and we appreciate ourselves for persevering, because I would so easily normally just quit if there was any sort of road bump. Absolutely right. Yeah, you and I are, are both known to look at adversity and take a turn around it, but we're taking this head on today. That's right. All right, well, let's break into Oregon State's past week. They had a second overtime win versus Appalachian State. They had a beatdown by Nebraska. Apologies, my personal apologies to Fred Hoiberg. I think he listens to the pod. What game do you want to talk about first? Let's let's do the fun one first. I mean, the, the unfortunate one's a little bit more fresh in our minds, but what a win that was this past Tuesday. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, so uh, this past Tuesday, Oregon State took on Appalachian State. Uh, if you listen to our previous pod, they are an enemy of the school for stealing game day. Um, Oregon State won 81-71 in overtime, their second back-to-back overtime win of the season, of course, coming off that double overtime Defeat of Troy. Sam, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, if if according to Ken Palm, the win over Troy was the most exciting game of the college basketball season thus far, I think App State's got to be in the top 5 to 10 as well. It was an electric game. I mean, it, it of course started with Jordan Pope being on fire, and then that was contagious. That first half, pretty much everybody who took one hit a three. Dexter, Josiah Lake... Dejon Craig hit one. I think Tyler Billado stepped out and hit one. I feel like I'm even forgetting one more. But, yeah, it was Jordan Pope that set the tone in, like, what the first half where they shot the ball by far the best they have all year. Yeah, definitely. Jordan Pope scored the first nine points of the game on his way to a career-high 25 points, including six threes. He was on fire. He was the man. Billado was second in scoring, as I think is going to be a consistent theme this year. He had 16-9, and nine, so just... One rebound away from getting his second career double-double, both in the same season. I think you're really seeing him turn a corner. And then you also saw Casey Beckway had 10-8 and eight in his most effective game of the year so far. And he played the most minutes of any game. You saw him down the stretch, kind of going away from that four-guard, one-big lineup and playing more traditional center and power forward in this one. Yeah, he may have been the difference in the game, especially in that overtime. I mean, you, you said he had 10-8. and eight. I think by 
uh, the vast majority of that came in the second half and in, in that overtime period. He, he was quiet early, but that was a big move by Wayne to put him back in the game at whatever point he did in the second half when at that point he hadn't done a whole lot, and uh, he changed things and got, a, got buckets off offensive rebounds and was finally doing what we were kind of waiting for him to do against these mid-major teams, especially. Oregon State has had problems with points in the paint. Like, Appalachian State had more points in the paint. Um, Nebraska had a lot more points in the paint. I think that's going to be a consistent kind of point of focus or an area of need for the team. So you're going to need Casey Beckway to play and kind of even that out a little bit. Appalachian State was better than Troy. Um, again, the Beavers, though, undefeated against Appalachian State. This was their second ever meeting, so we kind of un- own the Sun Belt. We Sun Belt Kings will take the title for now, and they can't really say a damn thing about it. Southern Alabama will see you next, probably. Probably. <laughs> um, anything else you want to touch on from the game? Well, just one of the weirder, uh, you know, just looking at the line score even. I think they had 43 points. Or, or maybe it was just 41 in the first half. They had 20 in the second half, and even then, most of that came down the stretch and then had 18 in that five-minute overtime. Like, And again, like Jordan Pope caught fire again, but you don't see that often. Yeah, I think definitely like this was Pope's best game of his career. I mean, if you look at total points, I'm trying to think like last year he really gave it to Colorado, and that was equally thrilling. But this year, some of his clutch shots down uh, – down the game, including the transition three. That was kind of the dagger. That was the dagger in overtime. Like, that's an NBA shot. He's really – I think you're seeing Pope and Bilodeau really turn the corners and be the prospects that Wayne kind of touted them being as freshmen and continue to grow together. And they're developing kind of a nice little two-man game, at least not so much in terms of, like, a pick and roll because – but in terms of, like, Pope dominating the outside, Bilodeau having a really nice, strong mid-range game, uh, it's, looking, it's looking good. It's looking like a solid foundation for offense, which some of the Beavers haven't had in the past two years. Yeah, and I do think the pick-and-pop game is coming along a little bit with them. We'll, we'll see if we get to see Tyler rolling towards the rim after screens a little bit more. But he looks awesome. Dexter Akana was big again. He played 40 minutes, didn't shoot the ball great, but you know he's going to continue to put him up. And did get his 13 points and 7 rebounds. And, and 4 assists. Yeah, right, Second on the team, like to his credit, I mean, it's that no one's going to be confused. Dexter now was a a pass first distributor type, but um, it's great to see that uh, some of his drives where he was getting into the paint that he was finding guys, and they knock shots down for him. Still consistently getting into the paint, and he's kind of a an engine you're going to need on this Oregon State offense to keep the motor running because you're going to need people to break down and attack the rim. I don't know exactly where it's going to come from because that's not really. Pope can get it. He's very crafty, very like a slithery finisher, but he's looking more to shoot when he pulls up. I don't know who else is going to provide that attack the rim pressure other than Dexter. Yeah, I mean, it's... Maybe Christian Wright. Christian Wright as the year goes along. Josh, Some other Justin Roshlin, possibly. Roshlin, who uh, doesn't look as good as those guys do offensively right now, but is looking healthier and is certainly an athletic dude that's that looks good defensively. That's, I think, he's ahead of where he is offensively at that end of the floor. And so, yeah, well, certain guys will have opportunities. Josiah Lake, Dejon Craig as well. Yeah, definitely. They, yeah, Dejon Craig, his, his minutes are waning, I think, as the season goes on. But I think he'll have at least two or three games this year. At some point, maybe that's too many. At some point, he will have a spark plug game in the Pac-12 conference where he'll have like 17 points and be the difference maker. A la Jared Lucas, his freshman year against Stanford a couple of years ago or something in that vein. I do agree. Exactly. Um, anything else you want to cover from the game? No, we can get to the, the sad one, I guess. Okay, the sad one, uh, you referring to Oregon State taking on Nebraska on Saturday, 1 o'clock. 
playing Nebraska in South Dakota. A very random game that was incredibly hard to find, watch anywhere. It was Saturday. It was three hours before the Civil War, or not the Civil War, but the University of Washington Oregon State football game. Seems like a game that almost maybe was purposely buried. I do want to start off by saying my personal apologies to Fred Hoiberg. I downplayed him as a coach. I forget he was so good at Iowa State, and I loved those Iowa State teams. DeAndre Kane, Royce Royce White, those are my guys. Those are my, some of my favorite players, and I, I think I let his Bulls tenure and the recent Nebraska kind of run sour me, but he is a great coach. Yes, and, and now that he's been at Nebraska for a couple of years, he clearly has a group that much more resembles the athletic teams that he had at Iowa State and less the more... Tim Miles. Tim Miles, stereotypical Nebraska teams of the past that we were very much hoping we would see Saturday. That was not the case. They are very good. They are very big. You talked about the points in the paint difference. They were out-rebounded by 13. I mean, that was that was most of a, it. A, a 38 to 16 points in the paint difference. Yes, which was about the, dif- uh, the point differential for the game itself. Mm-hmm. It was very competitive for about... The first seven, eight minutes or so, Nebraska took their first lead to make it 13-11 around that point, and from that point went on like a 30-to-something run that put the game out of reach. But but yeah, outside of Pope and Billado, very ugly offensively. I'm hoping it's a productive wake-up call. Uh, Yeah, on the positive side, Pope again had 25 points, so matching his career high in two straight games, he becomes the first Beaver... um, since Trace Tinkle in 2019 to have 25 plus points in consecutive games, do you want to guess the teams that Trace had 25 consecutive points against? What? So what year was it? 2019. 2019. Uh, the non uh, was Portland State one of them? Yes, they, yes, Portland yeah. State was Hell one. Yeah, let's go. Um, oh, gee, I'm, Tulsa, Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Given the business to <laughs> to the big right. sky in Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Shout they, out to you, Trace. I miss I miss watching Trace. Post up a, a big sky small forward. Just a with, hopeless 6'3 kid. He yeah. has no idea what's going to come for him. Um, so, yeah, Pope looked good. Billard looked good. Uh, Rochland had his best game of the year, had eight points before fouling out. Uh, but, yeah, not a game you want to spend too much time on, as was evident by the fact that impossible to find a game to watch in Corvallis unless you went to Buffalo Wild Wings, I suppose. But do you want to do your rant against the Hilton? Yes, I do, actually. I've calmed down a little bit. Last night, after a few beers, when we were talking about recording this podcast today, I, I promised you a real spicy take. I've calmed down a little bit, but I do want to put the Hilton Valley in on blast a little bit. You are located within feet of Reeser Stadium on the day of the biggest football game they've played in quite some time. It's sold out. If there's ever a collection of people you could get together where maybe some would be interested in mass and watching the men's basketball game taking place before it earlier in the day, it just seemed like an opportunity to really connect some Beaver fans that they didn't even try to. And they're not the only ones. I'm sure there's other establishments just as guilty of putting on Wisconsin, Illinois, or something like that in football and calling it good, or the Duck game. And fuck them, by the way, or, you know, their football game. It just... I, th- I think I've made my point. I could continue to ramble about this for a long time, and Andy knows that to be true. He's awkwardly looking away, petting, I'm petting, petting my the, cat. Yeah, no, no, go for the rant. I, I appreciate it because I do – I will say that this game, 
Having it streamed on Peacock, that was very fun. I'm just getting that's so... That's no one's fault. That's no one's fault, but I'm just getting so tired of all the different streaming apps you need to completely watch an Oregon State basketball season as we pay a fortune to Comcast every month. Right. I wish... I do think in this new Pac-2, Mountain West, whatever the future of the conference looks like, I would seriously urge them to consider how hard could it be to take over your own distribution rights and create some sort of app or something ourselves where you could just pay a fee to the university to watch them instead of wrapping it up in a cable deal. I don't know, but I know that was the original point of the Pac-12 network, and we see where that got us, but it's got, there's got to be a better solution out there. This is, I want to watch Oregon State lose to Fred Hoiberg. Yes, I want, I want it in clear view, and I had to do everything on my own, streaming it from my phone just to catch pieces of it, this, while the reception, of course in Corvallis on a game day is absolutely terrible. Which the is, town's again, not made for it. Nobody's fault. It is not made for the traffic that it gets that day. But, again, I do want to bring it back to some of the local establishments that had plenty of time to get a free trial to Peacock and maybe put out there on a sign, we'll have it on. I didn't check with everybody. I did do quite a bit of checking, though. I, I did ask around and uh, found very little. And I just think that's... That did not need to be the case. Yeah, and I and I stand behind you 100% in your railing against the Corvallis business community because I, I think it, they've had it too good for too long. Right. They, we all talk about how beloved all the – and I won't name any – but I guess the Hilton Valley and I did put on blast. Can I, ask, can I ask you, did you try Harrison's? No, we were too far away. We were parked at that point. You know, I was with two friends of mine. Shout-outs to Reed and Dewey for bringing me along for that game. It was a very last-minute thing. I was glad to get to be there. But, uh, yeah, we were a little ill-prepared. I also would argue I shouldn't have to walk from the Hilton to Harrison's to watch my favorite basketball team in existence. Exactly. Um, all right. Shout-outs to Harrison. Shout, yeah, shout to Harrison, my college bar. Okay, anything else you want to cover from the Nebraska-Oregon State game? I don't think so. I hope that we look back at this game weeks from now, you know, months from now, as we get into the conference season as a, a helpful jumping-off point. Be, uh, and uh, we will be pushing the Fred Hoiberg as Coach of the Year narrative. We will, Nebraska's we, really good. We'll be keeping our eyes on them. We'll be keeping tabs on them. And I also want to point out that this was – this was the first game of this season that Oregon State has played against a school that they are not undefeated against all time. Right. Although... And they were 1-1, one one, so it was, they tried their best to fight it. Yes, they, they only one loss isn't that bad, but uh, yeah, that dude, their big was disappointingly good. I was hoping he was kind of soft, and that was... Even Fred Hoiberg's kid got some buckets. Yes, shout-outs to Sam Hoiberg as well. He's Actually, a, the, the one last thing I want to say about Nebraska is, did not realize how... Uh, I just shout out that program because those fans are into it. If you go on the Oregon State men's yeah. basketball Twitter where <laughs> they post shit. the score, it's it's the most res- engagement that Twitter account probably gets in a while, and it's all Nebraska fans posting memes, posting homemade collages, How posting could video segments. I want to do a specific shout out to at uh, Divorce Dad, whose Twitter bio reads like "Love my family of three. Um, and he made a great meme that was, it was, uh, Kobe Bryant, or not Kobe Bryant, sorry. It's Allen Iverson stepping over Tyron Lue, and Allen Iverson's face is the Nebraska University, yes. and then Tyron Lue is Oregon State. So, shout out to Divorce Dad of Three for taking the time to make that meme. Yeah, I, uh, the, it, 
it, it no likes no likes which is even weirder that like it he doesn't get engagement with his own people he must be very very intense but, yeah right it uh in a way it made you, me you kind of want to see more of that in beaver beaver nation exactly Twitter. like i can't hate them that much for it it's exactly what we're asking for out of wins that, and we don't see enough of it and frankly i salute them i it Makes me really excited for if they are good enough to win, like, 22 games or something like yeah, that. Yeah, those fans will lose. And I think we take this as a direct call to arms to all the Peyton heads out there. And I'm sure Sam will lead the charge from the Twitter account. But go throw, if we win a game, next time Oregon State wins a game, go to that school's page and throw some memes down on their throw announcement. Some, we know there's meme makers out here that listen to this. The Village Beeves guys are great at it. Let's harass some, some, you know, some Baylor men's basketball Twitter page. Get after it. All right, and speaking of Baylor, let's preview the game. Oregon State is playing in the preseason NIT. Wow, I didn't think I'd say that. Um, They're taking on number 13, Baylor. In New York. Yep, in New York City. The game is on Wednesday, 4 p.m. on ESPN2. Sam, how are you feeling going in to take on the number 13 team in the country, Baylor? (laughs) You know, it's a a great opportunity. Um, They're... We had Tro- Matty Cox, shout out Matty Cox to the Three Man We podcast. Talked to him right before the Troy game just a little bit. And he, he described Troy as a trip to the dentist, which was very, very accurate. Um, teams like Baylor in November, if Troy is a trip to the dentist, this is like fighting with a meat grinder. That's, I think, like if that's the analogy that fits them. Well, I, it's like a trip to the firing squad. Yes. Um, they are... Uh, I think next to Houston, maybe the team you least want to play this time of year. It doesn't mean they're the best team in the country. I mean, they're 13th. They're in the discussion for it. But 4-0, they haven't... The Beavers, I will say, are the best team they will have played so far. That's not true because they beat Auburn 88-82. I I did not forget that. Wow, okay. Wow. Shout out to you. Um, Yeah, I was going to say that is, if you're looking for maybe kind of like not... Not looking for hope, because obviously I think Oregon State stands a very good chance of winning the game, if not the obvious chance of winning the game. Right. Um, but if you're looking for more things to add into that to give you confidence, you can look at the fact that Baylor, even though they're 4-0, they've only played Auburn, really. The rest of their games yes. are against very small schools, very far in the NIT. So Oregon State has arguably played a tougher schedule than Baylor to this point. They um, are going to be more familiar, I think, playing in Brooklyn. I, it feels like they're in this tournament every year. I could be completely incorrect about that. And then that. they're going to a Bahamas tournament right after that. So they've, yeah. they've got it made. They're going to be traveling around. Some uh, key things to look for. One of the things that I think the game within the game for this to watch is the battle between Jordan Pope and the Baylor point guard, Jacoby Walter. Jacoby Walter is a freshman phenom. He's going off. He was a five-star McDonald's All-American. He's going to be a one-and-done lottery pick. He's similar stature to Jordan Pope, shorter guard, quick, very good shooter, great step-back threes, really entertaining to watch. It's going to be great to see both of them go up, and I think this is a good chance to measure Jordan Pope up against obvious NBA talent because this is going to be – Maybe not the best guard he plays all year because he'll face Isaiah Collier, but definitely in the top two or three guards I think you'll see all season. And, yeah, he is in the same discussion as Isaiah Collier. He played in the Hoop Summit as well, correct? So we saw him live there. And, yeah, they all – that was a very bad basketball game in a vacuum, but they all were extremely impressive, and he's long and athletic. It's the the one thing that concerns you a little bit – in this matchup with Pope is he is bigger too. He, he's very, very athletic. He's very fast. Another 
uh, matchup nightmare that's going to be tough for them is Yves Missy, who is their seven-foot-tall freshman center. He's looking like a potential one-and-done, too. He's very, very athletic, seven feet tall, very quick. Uh, that's going to be tough in the post. Curious to see how Casey and Scholl match up with him. Yeah, we should mention that Scholl has started the past two games and uh, played pretty short shifts before Casey comes in or Wayne just goes small for the time. But, um, yeah, whoever starts that game is going to have to be willing to be physical because the one thing they will give him that he may not have seen yet is guys as big as him. Yeah, definitely. For Baylor's first four games, they probably haven't seen someone like KC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think this game has potential to be similar to, like, the Duke PK-80 game from last year. Wayne traditionally does do really well if you give him a little bit of time to scout and kind of throw not gimmicky defensive plans, but just – different kind of like strange nuanced defensive game plans that tend to throw people off wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of zone maybe some matchup zone just different looks that Baylor has seen before uh Scott Drew obviously an amazing coach too very well known for his defense this is a game that like if Oregon State doesn't hit shots it could turn very bad because you're not going to get easy looks against a Baylor team you're going to have to hit shots no they they play they get up and down a little I know I've already compared him to Houston but I do think it is a good one they they play a little more fast pace but yeah they if you're struggling a drought against them the defensive pressure just really continues to tighten and it it's terrifying, quite frankly, at times. And so. we'll see more pressing. Oregon State will see more pressing this game than they've probably yeah. seen so far this season. So I'll be curious to see how the guards handle that because the last two years, pressing has been a big issue for Oregon State guards to handle. And they'll be, they're a little more equipped to play in a game where they're being sped up now than the past two years. But on the other end, they're going to probably play a lot of zone themselves and try to slow Baylor down and make them be... A little more patient. I'm sure. I'm sure that's the game plan: is to clunk it up, go slow, junk it up, go zone, try and see if you can hit a slightly more threes in a slow game chess match. Right. I mean, kind of akin back to Wayne's first year, yeah, um, in Corvallis when he would change the zone almost every possession if he could get away with it. Yeah, you're not going to want to get into a track meet with this Baylor team. Um, Okay, and if Oregon State. Depending on what happens with Baylor, win or lose, they'll either take on Florida or Pittsburgh. Anything you want to say about the Florida-Pittsburgh teams? I, uh, they're, they're kind of really, really good. I, this is one of the better tournaments. I was hoping, because Florida has a completely new team, and I, I loved last year's Florida team. They weren't particularly good. But no, they, were they weren't. pretty unhinged. They were a whole lot of fun, and occasionally they would beat a top-ten team. I think they did it twice, but no more Trey Bonham or Colin Castleton or Kawisi Reese, which... You loved Kawisi Reese. We so all love Kawisi Reese, and I'm, I'm worried about him now. I'm going to have to check where he's at this year, but... But, yeah, uh, I mean, props to Todd Golden for being like, I'm going to get fired if I don't kind of restart. So they... Much like Pitt did, in the words of Jim Beheim, bought a whole new team, and and uh, yeah, they they've lost one game. It was to Virginia. They're three and one. Virginia, though, I'm hoping is a little overrated, and uh, if if we do see Florida, we'll see. And then Pittsburgh's been scoring a lot. I think they're what averaging like 95 a game, or 95 something? and a half points a game. Yeah, uh, Blake Hinton is a dog. He's averaging like 20 and a half. 
all three of these teams are shooting like 36% or better from three. So. It's, a, it's a trip to the dentist in New York City. <laughs> yeah, right, which sounds awful. It sounds like the last place I want to do that. It feels like someone's going to be yelling outside the door. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be all the more sweet when Oregon State wins the preseason. Hoist that goddamn trophy. Oh my gosh, you're going to wish you'd flown out to it. I, I mean, in, in my more unhinged moments, I think about it, it'd be really cheap to fly on Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Lee the Stinger Pierce, though, I know you're out there. I might be knocking on your door while you're posting Thanksgiving with your wife. That's right. Or Jake's empty, sad van. Or I'll be in Jake Silberman's van. I got options, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Anything else you want to cover from the preseason NIT? I wish we were going. I, you know, I I regret not committing to planning to it. It would have been a lot of fun. But I'm really excited to get to watch watch these games over this these coming days. You know, if there's anything that's going to bring your family together, sit down, turn on the Oregon State basketball And watch game. it with me. Yeah, that's what your Thanksgiving party needs. <laughs> um, okay, I have uh, our first round of Ken Pom Ponders for go. the season. I've been I waiting for it. All right, so where do you think currently at 3-1, and one, undefeated against the Sunbelt Conference, though, where do you think Oregon State is – well, actually, here, I'll frame it like this. Where do you think Baylor, number 13 in the country, is ranked in Ken Palm? I, I will go 21st. They are number 10. They are the number 10 team in the country to Ken Palm. What? Where do you think Oregon State is ranked in Ken Palm? I am going to go with 170th. No, they are 187. Now I got to ask you are they the lowest ranked Pac 12 team? According to Ken Palm, I, I, I don't even believe. I'm going to say they are not because of Cal, but they probably are, right? They are. The Oregon State is the worst uh, Pac-12 team according to Ken Palm at 187. Cal is very close. They are at 184. They've lost more games and to a Big Sky team. Like there's just no earthly reason they should not be. They would be ranked ahead of us. That's right. Do where do you think is Nebraska ranked better or worse than Oregon State? Better. Better, yeah. Nebraska's 47. So there you go. That's a 140-point difference. That's, that's expected. Our old bellwether Yale basketball. Who do you think is ranked better, Oregon State or Yale? Yale. Yale. You are correct. Yale is 78. 100-plus points what? better than Oregon State currently. So borderline like an at-large birth bubble team. That's right. Jesus Christ. All right, let's check in on some of our old bellwethers. Where's Samford University? Not Stanford University. No, no. Samford. Samford University, Buckyball, the youngest coaching staff in America, the team that we are kind of obsessed with after watching them play two years ago. You don't understand how short this head coach is. The shortest, youngest head coach in the country by far. Yes, them and and Nichols too. Uh, Right. It's it's funny how many teams during that 3 and 28 year we kind of fell in love with during that preseason schedule. But yes, I'm for we we support Buckyball. We're behind it um despite them losing by like 60 to Purdue. I lost say, by 60 to Purdue at like the start of the season. Something like that. Yes. Now, I'm going to say they're lower than the Beavers. They are ranked better than the Beavers. They are 153rd. They are Sanford is 153rd in the country. Oregon State is 187. Um, okay, let's let's get local. Let's take it local, then let's step back. Oregon. Uh-huh. <laughs> is Oregon ranked better or worse than Oregon State? They're better. It's going to be like the top 50 or so. Yeah, they're right? 32. Okay, I'll give you that. But what about Portland State? Yeah, I know this to be better. Undefeated Portland State. Well, they did. They lost to... 
yesterday. Oh, they lost five and one. Five and one. Portland State. Uh, You think they're ranked better than Oregon State? They are. They are a hundred and fiftieth in the country. So almost forty spots better than Oregon State. I don't know when the last time that could possibly have been true. Let's take it all the way back. University of Portland. This. Is there one team in Oregon ranked worse than Oregon State? Is it University of Portland? Is Oregon State ranked better or worse than University of Portland? Portland is, um, can I give a hot take that, mm-hmm. that, that's going to rattle a few people? They're kind of frauds this year to me. I think they've t- they have a, two, three real good players, and the rest, it just it's, they're painfully unathletic in Tennessee State kind of expose them, but I will say I'm good. They're Ken Palm's better than the Beavers. They're not better than the Beavers though. They are not better than Beavers according to Ken Palm either. Wow. They're, they're 197. Okay, Ken Palm. Saving Oregon State from being the lowest ranked team in the state. Once in a while, you know, two people reach across the aisle and agree on something. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, you know, take note of that, people around the world. Ken Palm and I had the same hot take. Yeah. I did not see that coming. No, I'm glad to end it right there. Alright, any shout on our way out of here. <laughs> I want to, um, you know, it's we've got a big week coming up. Uh, make sure, you know, don't forget Wednesday at 4, right? Get your Thanksgiving kicked off with some Beaver basketball. But shout-outs to anybody that's going to be in Eugene for the football game. That's a, an, a horrific, horrific task. I would sooner never go there again, And uh, you know, but, but try to get a W out of it. But remember, the basketball game Friday will be right before that, so... So, yeah, that's my shout. Is anyone that's going to be soldering into that god-awful death trap Watson Stadium? And I, I want to give a shout-out to anyone who went to the game this pre- previous weekend. Yeah. Not the basketball game, but the football game, because I went, me and you both went. That was one of the more miserable Oregon State experiences. A truly fitting yeah. way to – a truly fitting uh, last home Pac-12 game in terms of all spirituality concerned. Um, yeah, shout out to everyone who experienced that together. <laughs> right. Uh, you, even the guy who just peed underneath the just table. Just took a piss. And I, I, that video just leaves me with more questions. Like, the people around it didn't seem to be acknowledging he was pissing right there. Well, I think they didn't see because he was underneath the table. I see. Fair enough. For, but from the angle. Shout out to the person who, des- who designed that table. Who designed that table, probably with that in mind. And to the people that filmed it, but did nothing to alert the people they were getting peed on that seems like that's what i would have done is waved and made them aware that was happening that's true <laughs> all right well we've we've kind of lost the thread on this one but let's you know, circle back to why we're here let's circle back to why we're here fuck the ducks fuck the ducks all right go bees forever see y'all very soon